Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light, why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Images spun in his head, the Trolloc Narg leaping at him in his own home, the Merdral threatening him at the Stag and Lion in Berylon, halfmen everywhere, Fades chasing them to shatter Logoth, coming for them in Whitebridge, dark friends everywhere. He whirled his hand, balling up. I said, leave us alone. His fist took Pater flush on the nose. The dark friend fell on his bottom and sat there on the floor, staring at Rand. Blood trickled from his nose. You won't get away, he spat angrily, <laughs> no matter how strong you are. <laughs> Rand, chapter 33, Eye of the World. Oh, so good. <laughs> Fucking Peter. <laughs> that guy. Oof, okay. Well, hello, welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Yep. If you're yep. looking for Wheel of Time, that's us. We that's that. us. Oh, actually, that, thing. that reminds me. Um, fruity chick, shout out, fr- shout out to fruity chick. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my god. Well, actually, two things because first was the Twitter comment. I can't remember who it came from right now. Crap, but it made me feel really good because it was it's a Parker. Is that right? That is Adrian. Yeah. Like, put the nicest thing on Twitter about being able to listen to the two of us talk about something until Tarman Gaiden and my whole heart just, like, it was, it was like the Grinch, you know? Like, it's not that my heart is all shriveled or anything, but I was just like, oh, the swelling. You know what I mean? She is so much fun. I love all of her interactions on Twitter. Yeah, that that was heart melting. So thank you. And then I am always afraid to go look at our reviews because I'm like, somebody's going to say something on there about like how annoying we are, or how rambly These two we are. Lubies. Right? <laughs> That's what I'm always waiting for. And we had just a really, really sweet review from Fruity Check and... Really, honestly, I can't say thank you enough because what you yeah, put and in it was, a... go it, ahead. It was, the thing that I love is it was just like straight to the point. Like this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. I like this. I like that, and it means so much. It really I mean, does. We we don't always see these things right away. We are we are so busy, but <laughs> when we do see it, I mean, Tracy and I uh, sent you know a couple messages back and forth, and oh, it was fuck just yeah. like. Crying emoji, yep. heart emoji. Mm-hmm. The swelling the heart emoji. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, this is the best so, day. Yeah, Fruity Chick, if you're listening, thank you. We really appreciate it. Yep. It's very cool of you to yep. give us a nice review like that. Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying us. <laughs> and honestly, like what you wrote in your review is exactly what we aim for. And to see that written out by someone who had listened just... It made my it just made my heart so happy. And it happened twice yeah. in a day. I almost couldn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely feeling emotional from that. I almost cried when I was going through files at work later. Like 
It's the best way to cry it on is, the clock though, right? in the bathroom. <laughs> I just sit in my little desk and take my earbuds out and cry a little, take a tissue and pat my cheeks. I'm the only one that sits up there. It's brilliant. Like, it's just the top part of this old house and it's creaky and glorious and like one of the downtown. The dream. Oh my gosh, one of the downtown streets. What is it? Lafayette? That heads mm-hmm. back towards okay. downtown. So it goes right by where I work. And so I get to hear all of the crazy drive sounds with my window open. And all I ever wanted was a window office. And I have one, Amber, and I fucking love it. I love my job. I love what I get to do with this podcast. I have far too much fun with everything. I'm sorry I'm not as active on social media and with everyone who listens to us. I really appreciate all of you. Hey, You're so I've noticed great. you've been, I'm trying. been hopping on there a lot more I'm, recently. I'm really trying. I'm trying. I love it. Thanks. Like the elusive Tracy. <laughs> I think people get excited, too, when you, like, respond and they're like, ah, it's Tracy. <laughs> it's not intentional just because my life is chaos and I'm not good at boundaries. So, but thank you. I'm glad that that's, like the vibe that comes off um i'm we i'm ready to jump in and really before we do it can we just say like quick threadless plug there will be a link to it in the show notes i think the sale that was happening is probably over by the time this one comes out but they usually have frequent sales and amber i really like the designs you put up the oh thanks the land fear one Yes, that is her natural lip color. <laughs> Was there ever a doubt? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but it was a while. It was years ago mm-hmm. when the matte lipsticks were like, mm-hmm. all the rage mm-hmm. and Lime Crime had this, I think it was like red velvet or something. I don't remember what mm. the name of it was, but it was a red color and it was the red. And when I see see that picture of Lanfear from the design, I'm like, oh, that's like that lime, that lime crime color. <laughs> it looks just like it. Okay, enough Hell about yeah. me and lipstick talk. I love it though. <laughs> Play anything for your supper? Yeah, I was just going to say anything that's past yesterday, I've already forgotten about. So. <laughs> That's why it's hard when you write notes. Early, I know, right? And then you go back to it and you're like, this was three days ago. I barely remember Shit. anything. <laughs> uh, but yes, yes, play for your supper. I, ooh, I, I like these chapters. I, this, I think, was my favorite one of all of them, except for the last one that you have was really fun too. Yeah, the- lots of more lots of more gays mentions and Terengale and Mhm. Yup. Yup. I'm so excited. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. So, we left off in Whitebridge mm-hmm. and Rand and Matt have lost Tom. Mm. And they are continuing forward on their journey to Camelin. And at this point, it's been a really long, wet, cold, depressing journey, but they've had moments of kindness from strangers along the way. Mm -hmm. So there was this nice little section about a farmer that gave them handkerchiefs both to cover their faces from all the dust on the road. Mm -hmm. And despite this, you know, they don't have any food and they've been sleeping in haystacks. Right. Yeah, haystacks. But there have been 
small moments that were kind of uplifting. Mm -hmm. Now they've been hiding a lot. Mm -hmm. Every time they see a large group of riders coming up from behind them on the road, Mm -hmm. and they're just assuming at this point that there's Merdral or Trollocs or anything dark friends or anyone anything that could that it could possibly be and they're very suspicious Mm -hmm. they are really struggling they don't have any food and they're very low on money and Rand Mm -hmm. asks matt to sell the ruby dagger so that he can buy you know them food or maybe lodging just so they can sleep in a bed because they're soaking wet right i mean just gross one of the things that i actually really liked about all of these horrible descriptions of what it's like to travel is so nice because so often travel is like exactly what they say like this is not what a story is like well no shit Sherlock traveling is hard and even if you're fully prepared for it you can find out you're not prepared for it and I really just feel for them and I'm so glad that we get like this nitty gritty unpleasantness Mm -hmm. because it really helps forge who they become throughout like the rest of the book I think yeah yeah and it just it's a nice image I guess of how bad things are I mean Mm. their clothes are at this point I feel like they would be falling apart (laughs) they've been wet for so long Mm -hmm. and mildewy Mm -hmm. and sleeping and hey that's got to be gross and itchy right right? and wet it sounds terrible Mm -hmm. bugs all of that Mm -hmm. so Ran is like, hey, Matt, you know, you can sell that ruby and we could have a hot meal. Mm-hmm. And Matt is just very aggressive mm-hmm. with his response. And he's giving off really big Lord of the Rings golem vibe. <laughs> and he's all like, mine, oh, mine. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes a point about how if he does sell it, a farmer would probably mm-hmm. think that they stole it. And yeah, touche. Good one on Matt. Agreed. Agreed. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Matt, despite this, is just growing more and more suspicious and hostile as time goes on. Mm-hmm. So eventually they arrive at a farm and they are met by a family called the Grinwells and they are offered a place to sleep in return for farm work. Mm-hmm. But the oldest daughter, Elsa, focuses all of her attention on Rand mm-hmm. and she's trying to flirt with him totally shamelessly. Mm-hmm. Get it, Elsa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which Rand tries to kind of sidestep. Mm-hmm. And at one point he starts playing the flute to entertain the family. <laughs> Yes. And, <laughs> and it's the most she, beautiful thing I've ever heard. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he's so uncomfortable, he just keeps playing right. the flute. So in my mind, it had the it had the feel that like she was saying how great it was, and then he's just playing more to mm-hmm. like appease her, I guess. I or think show he's just trying her. to get out of an awkward situation. Yeah, instead of talking, he's like, I guess I'll just keep playing right? the flute that yeah. way. I don't have to say anything, but he's kind of making things worse. Yeah. I feel like. and Especially so, since the mom has noticed. Like, the mom well, yeah. is like, oh, oh, my daughter is flirting hardcore with this young man. Yes. Hmm. And so she, yes. like, stares at him the whole time he's playing, and it's very uncomfortable. Yes. So the Grinwells give Matt and Rand Elsa's bed to sleep in for the <laughs> night as a, I'm doing, like, air quotes, air quotes. a special thanks for the entertainment. 
And Elsa will be sleeping in her parents' room. And this is clearly so that they can keep an eye on her. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Grinwells are just a really compassionate family. And they are minor characters. But don't forget the name mm-hmm. because it might be important later on. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole experience give Ra- gives Rand the idea to start playing at inns for free lodging and hot meals akin to what Tom had been doing yep. this whole time. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of just like, Rand, you big dummy. <laughs> like, how have you not thought of this sooner? You've been traveling with a Gleeman since mm-hmm. day one. <laughs> Come on. Right. But maybe they were, it is what maybe it is. They were insecure about their skill level. Yeah, maybe Matt was like, I'm really not that great of a juggler. And we were like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if they were both just really, really terrible mm-hmm. and everyone is just like, <laughs> like out of sympathy? Like, yeah, yeah. you can stay. You're nice. doing that a, was great. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Just keep practicing. Yeah, yeah. You're doing great, You'll sweetie. get there. Exactly. I love that. And that's all I've got for Play for Your Supper. Mm-hmm. And so chapter 32 is Four, four Kings in Shadow. This idea of playing for inns works for them, and Matt and Rand are traveling much more comfortably and seem to be making the best of a bad situation. And of course, like in this moment, it's just, it's, I don't know if it's annoying or not, but they're like, things almost feel safe. Why? Why is there ever a moment where you think something is almost safe it's not it's not and at the same time like their innocence and their trusting natures that they had like mere weeks before yeah. i'm sad like that anytime getting a character says how something is going to be easy or things are going well yep they don't go well this is going to be the best beltine ever it was not the best <laughs> beltine ever that's It should be a law at this point. Mm -hmm. Don't have your characters say this because then people are just going to know that something bad is going to happen. Yep, it's up next. Here we go. So they arrive in Four Kings, which I believe it says is a... um, a rather grand name for a rather dumpy place. And it's really just a stopover for merchants to get to the next destination. So it's a bit run down, super busy. And of course, it's just a a horrible place. It sounds really terrible. Like the women are quickly hurrying by. Nobody's stopping to really talk at each other. The men that are traveling with like, the merchants and stuff are always grabbing at the women. Why is the four kings so rapey? Right? It really... It, it, go ahead. Just even later on, the way that some of the waitresses mm-hmm. the in, the, in the inn, I mean, get like backhanded. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You guys need to unionize or something. Like, get out of there. This is awful. Well, doesn't Rand kind of ask that later on, like, in like a mental note? Why do they continue to work here? Yeah. I'm like, well, they may Why aren't you unionizing? (laughs) Your working conditions are awful. (laughs) Sorry. Gather together, gals. Mm -hmm. Someone grabs a spoon, raises it above their head. (laughs) For fair wages and less sexual assault. That's the motto of the women in Four Kings. Four Kings. <laughs> I don't know if that's awful or not, but I do think it's funny. Okay, so 
they realize that most of these inns already have music coming out of them. The common rooms are already full, but they also feel really uncomfortable. Like, what's the word? Ambiance. The ambiance is uncomfortable. It's a nice mm-hmm. word for the situation. Ambiance, I think, candles, but whatever. Um, it's, yeah, it's very sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So they go to one inn that is, it seems like it's probably the only inn that doesn't have a common room that's full and Rand and Matt go and like do their little spiel and the innkeeper is like, okay, you guys can do this. And Hake, it's a-hole. Yes. And it's the dancing Cartman. Is that the right name? For the I inn, think so. I think that's what it is. I think so. So just like a few things in this like quick moment is the way the innkeeper hits that one serving maid, like you mentioned earlier. Like he mm-hmm. backhands her so hard she falls to the floor, and then yeah. he's like, "Well, you'll pay for those pieces of crockery you broke when you fell. So mm-hmm. get up and get back to work." And she's like, "And it's not even busy, but he's." requiring them to look look busy busy. yeah yeah and they seem scared to not be looking busy so he's a shithead and he has this smarmy and covetous way of looking at rand's hair marked sword which we know is highly valuable and we have two bouncers uh jack and strom is that right i think those are the right names Mm -hmm. and -hmm. these guys are super menacing and they are keeping matt and Rand basically prisoners inside the common room because Hake is already making these glances at Rand's sword like he's going to do everything he can to separate Rand from that sword. Yeah. So they go ahead and they start playing. <laughs> A fancy man comes into the inn. Hello, fancy man. His, clothes, his clothing dripping from the storm that should have had him indoors already. He ducks inside, sees Rand and Matt, and then finds himself a table where he stares at the two young men in a rather uncomfortable way. At least it makes me feel uncomfortable, and it makes Rand and Matt feel uncomfortable, but Matt is, like, glaring at everyone. He just dishes out a little extra to this guy. <laughs> Matt is like rabid, right? <laughs> you know? Can you picture him juggling and like glaring? Angrily yeah, juggling. the angry, angry juggler. juggler. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Matt's glaring daggers at everyone. Rand is feeling more and more on edge between the innkeeper, his bouncer dudes, and now this man who obviously does not belong there and seems to be having whole conversations with them through mm-hmm. eye contact. He's like, you guys know me and I know you. It's, <laughs> He's having a whole eye conversation. Right? It's like there are eyebrow raisings and... <laughs> I don't know. I was just, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Um, So they take a break to eat and Rand makes sure he brings his sword and Tom's flute and harp with him. Good job, Rand. That was smart. And Mm -hmm. while they're eating, Rand talks to Matt about his suspicions and Matt is kind of lost in thought and eating food. But, He's just shoveling food in his mouth as fast as possible. Well, I think Rand was eating really quickly, and in this one, Matt was kind of, like, savoring it. 
But it might be a different scene than I'm thinking of. There are a couple of times where they finally get a hot meal and they both have different reactions to it. So whatever. They're excited to eat. I know. I know he says at one point he thinks Matt is on his third helping. Mm. I think you're right. So anyway, Rand had overheard some of the waitresses, serving maids, talking about Mm -hmm. how the fancy guy with all the fancy clothing and whatnot had gone to several different inns before he stopped at this one and then decided that he was staying here and they kind of joked yeah and they're they're like yeah because this is such a great place to say ha 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 yeah you know and Mm -hmm. they say that he came in with two carriages Mm -hmm. and Rand's like there's something something's like, not adding up yeah exactly it's not adding up exactly so he's like hey matt hang here i'll be right back he straps his sword on goes outside and there are two carriages there and in a flash of lightning he sees the name of uh Ode. yeah and i think one of the the bouncer guys jack or strom or whatever their names are was out there and was all like you think you're gonna get away, Mahaha. Like he's very, this is very <laughs> yeah, he's very mus- mustache twirling <laughs> cartoon <laughs> villain. Yeah, and you're like, wow, you could have there was no like, subtlety in that threat <laughs> at all, friend. You're very bad at this you're bad. shakedown. Exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure they're aware of the fact that you guys are gonna try to jump them later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not fooling anyone at this time, buddy. So we have this happening, carriages, Brian's got a bad feeling about this, and they finish their dinner, and they realize, like, there's no ducking out the back, they can't get out the front, they're going to have to sit there and play until everyone leaves. And when everyone does finally leave, Hake and his two bodyguards walk Matt and Rand back to the place where they're going to let them sleep, and it's like this... It's like a jail cell. Yeah, it's like this basically. storage room that's off the back of the inn, and it's dusty and dirty, and there are two pallets. No entrances, no yeah. exits, it's barred just, windows. Yeah, and like at first they're like, oh yeah, there's a window, we can get out the window when they're not paying attention. Well, yeah, they tried that, and unfortunately there are iron bars. And it doesn't close bars. all the way, and it's like storming and raining inside. Right? <laughs> this is just not going very well. And so they, like, Rand finds these wedges, splitting wedges, is that what they're called? And he puts them under the door, which I think is a really smart move, Mm because, damn, those things can hold forever. And I mean, of course, they don't here, but he's thinking that it's going to be Hake, the innkeeper, and instead, it's Goad, who's like, hey, I know you better than you know you, and you should just give up. And come with me because if we have to hunt you down, it's going to be real bad for you. Mm-hmm. So just just come with me. It's going to be great. We need to sit and talk. And Matt actually considers surrendering and going off and being like, but we can escape later. and It'll be okay. But, I mean, that's really their only option. Hi. Those are beautiful. Thank you. I love you. Little flowers. Little spring flowers. Yeah, sweet kid. Um, But really, that's not an option worth considering. And Ran in his mind is like, no way out. There's no way out. Until a lucky strike of lightning hits the wall with the window on it, blowing Matt and Rand off their feet. Rand is able to get up and see that things are 
bad. Matt climbs out of a pile of rubbish saying he can't see anything. Rand leads Matt out of the opening the lightning created in the side of the building, and he sees that all of the men out there are dead. Matt doesn't see this, and Rand doesn't tell him about it either. And I think that was, I don't, was that a mercy thing for him to do for Matt to not tell him? I feel like it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Matt would have questions as to why they weren't suddenly swarmed yeah yeah but at the same time like it's just i don't know if i'd want to tell my friend that you know who knows what's happening but at the same time i think i'd rather know that they were Rand does he has such a guilty conscience about everything all the time so the sight of a dead body maybe he's just you know saying he doesn't want anyone else to have to carry that burden yeah yeah Hmm. so yeah that's that's about where it ends up matt and rand stumbling off oh one of the things that i wanted to mention on this because i just think it's it's so important to remember how young and vulnerable these two young men are that matt at one point is like you're not gonna leave me are you like if i can't keep up you won't leave me and rand's like of course not of course not. This is the, I think that's the next episode. Oh, is when it? When they have their flashback. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this, okay. okay. This You're episode right. is really screwy yeah. because the time changes. Yep, yep. You're right. And it's really confusing. Okay. And I had to go back and relook at things mm-hmm. after I read it because mm-hmm. I thought that I had screwed something up. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is this farm cart driver guy have the same name <laughs> as the guy? Like, am I am I crazy? What's going on? But yeah, so chapter okay. thirty three, the dark waits. Were you finished with that? I one, totally or? was. I was okay. gonna say this is a okay. perfect way to transition into the next chapter. I'm excited. All right. Dry washes hands like seven baller. Dry washes hands. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Rand and Matt get a ride on a farmer's wagon, and this is Hyam Kitch, mm-hmm. and. They rest a little while, and Matt's eyes are starting to heal a little bit, mm-hmm. and the boys are feeling a little bit better. As they are traveling along with this man, a large group of men on horseback ride by, and Rand's like, hey, who are those people? And Hyam explains that they are the Queen's Guard, mm-hmm. and this exposes Rand as a foreigner. Mm-hmm. And he also learns that the Two Rivers is actually a territory of Queen Merguez, mm-hmm. And this kind of shocks him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're a territory? Like, what? <laughs> it's like, if, if I told that to the men in the right. two rivers. They, so. would, they would be like, faw. Yeah. Pshaisha, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So we learn that they are two days from Camelin, and Hyam offers the boys a night's rest at his farm. But Matt is acting like a total dirtbag. Yeah. Alexa, play Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus. Um, <laughs> no, so Matt's like just being I'm just a total a teenage shit. Teenage Dirtbag. Yeah. Sorry, I will Best cut that. love song of all time. <laughs> it's getting stuck in my head now. Okay, cool. If someone tells me they have two tickets to Iron Maiden, baby. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Um, So Hyam, this farmer, he rides off because Matt was just a complete ass. Mm -hmm. And the boys continue onward 
And then we as the readers get a flashback of their escape from the Four Kings. So now we're going back in time. <laughs> and Matt can't see, but Rand promises not to leave him behind. That was so sweet. And, it was so sweet. Yeah. It was one of those moments where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I feel for you guys. And then a little bit later, this generousness is kind of repaid by Matt. But Matt is becoming more and more erratic since Shatter Logoth. Mm-hmm. So these boys are sleeping in some bushes and they were actually hiding in them, but then just fell asleep in there. <laughs> it's like sad. Um, it is sad. Poor and boys. Rand has a nightmare and yay, another nightmare scene. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so in this nightmare, Rand talks to Baalzaman again. Again. And he sees the corpse of Goad. And apparently Goad sent word to Baalzaman of Rand's location. And Baalzaman is super annoying and more or less repeats what he told Perrin. Like, if you're the one, I'm going to find you. And you're going to join me. And ha 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 ha. And <laughs> so... He's like, you know, like... It's a bit stoogy. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Rand kind of is just, you know, like, kick rocks, Baalzaman. And then Baalzaman hits him with fire. And (laughs) Rand wakes up feeling sunburnt, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, that happens to me a lot in the summer. I'm like, (laughs) did I get a sunburn or is this just Baalzaman in my dreams? (laughs) Um, I'm I'm leaning towards the second one. I <laughs> yeah, am. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. What is this? A sunburn? Probably one of the four again. Um, so yeah, way. Rand makes up and he's like, "Ow, my skin!" And Matt is muttering in his sleep about his eyes being taken. So I'm assuming that Balzaman is haunting his dreams as well. It's so. It's, it's kind of so implied. Hard to tell. Yeah. But yes, I do feel like it's definitely implied. So after sleeping in the bushes, the boys head out, and then a farmer named Alpert Mole offers them a ride. They get some handkerchiefs as a small act of kindness, mm-hmm. and they reach the village. So Matt is super grumpy and wants to stop to eat, and they find an inviting inn, but the prices are extremely high, but Mm -hmm. they are just like, forget it. Who cares? We are hungry. So they eat a meal and And go straight to their rooms and sleep. And they even sleep in their clothes Mm -hmm. because they're so afraid that something bad's going to happen. They'll have to run to the door. Mm -hmm. Um, So they wake up and eat breakfast and are met by a suspicious young fop named Peter. (laughs) Um, I love that you choose the word fop. He is. He's got like a feathered hat. He knew it's perfect. Perfect choice. Matt growls at him like an animal. And again, (laughs) the golem vibes. And Matt's like, he is. He's like, you're a dark friend. I know it. And then Peter doesn't deny it. Mm -mm. So Matt threatens to expose him. And Rand drops him with a punch to the nose, which was in our quote from the beginning of the episode. Love that moment. And the innkeeper starts to overhear all of this talk of dark friends and is really scared of Peter and really scared of Matt and Rand. Mm-hmm. And they make a quick exit. So they get rides that day from a few different farmers. Mm-hmm. And the word on the street is that there was this dark friend incident and 
they reach the next town, but they don't have enough money. So they go to play for their rooms, the whole juggling and Mm -hmm. flute act again. Um, But Rand gets sick and Matt rushes him out to the stable because the innkeeper doesn't want him infecting anyone Mm -hmm. and they sleep in the hay. Mm -hmm. So again, Rand has more fever dreams of Baalzaman and Matt has to try and take his sword from him because Matt's or Rand is kind of like muttering and mm-hmm. Rand's not or Matt's not sure if Rand's gonna do something with it. It's mm-hmm. a sharp blade, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um so later Rand is awoken by a noise. And I did mention earlier that Matt kind of repays the payment as Rand was having his fever dreams. Mm-hmm. Matt's kind of like taking care of him and trying to get him to drink water and mm-hmm. so on. So Rand ma- Rand wakes up to a noise and a woman enters the stall and or the stable and she attempts attacking them. She's kind of holding something out of view and it's a dagger and she Okay, this this all happens really fast. So mm-hmm. she pulls out a dagger, and at the same time, Matt kind of pulls out his dagger. Her dagger hits a beam, mm-hmm. and her dagger starts, like, charring the wood. Mm-hmm. And Matt's holding this um, ruby-hilted Shadar Logoth dagger at her throat. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it turns out that she is also a dark friend, and... She says a fade is on its way, so they lock her in a stall and run off. Mm-hmm. And Rand is so sick he can barely run, but a farmer picks them up, and then we learn that this farmer is Hyam Kitch, the farmer from the very beginning part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Now we have made the full circle, and we are back to their <laughs> ride with this farmer. And he assumes they are going to Camelin to see the false dragon. Because mm-hmm. there are a bunch of people doing that right now. Yes. A lot of people. That was so well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Was a, it was a really, we both had really long chapters. These chapters were, I mean, my Kindle keeps track of how many minutes I have to finish a chapter. And yeah. I think when I got to one of them, it was like, you have 54 minutes left for reading this chapter. I'm like, holy shit, are you kidding me? <laughs> I think it's just because I just like read in short spurts throughout the day. So it thinks I'm just a real slow reader. Um, (laughs) But they were they were significantly longer chapters than we've had before. So the last village, Matt and Rand skip the performances for a while and just walk for as long and as far as they can each day. They end up sleeping in haystacks one night and Rand thinks how heroes and stories never had to sleep in haystacks, but he no longer can think of himself in that way at all anymore. And I kind of feel really sad for him in this moment you know like like i said they are in so many ways losing their innocence in a really Mm -hmm. harsh way matt has a moment of vulnerability and says i think we're the last ones left rand he sounded frightened whatever it's all about it's just us two now just us and i'm like Matt, I just, I feel for them. I feel for them. So they are sharing the road with more people and with merchants' wagons as well. And these wake 
wagon drivers wagon drivers wagon drivers what the fuck is wrong with me oh and then i just had your microphone i did with my this is my day this is my day amber okay I think I've just had too much coffee today. Anyway, so these wagon drivers are really free with their whips, which yes. sounds as terrifying as you might think it is. Ooh, this made my stomach turn. Yeah. Yeah. And even Rand says it. So he wasn't fast enough to move out of the way. And the wagon driver hit him like right above his eyebrow. And I'm pretty sure in the book it says something like he tried not to vomit thinking about how close he had come to losing an eye. There's a lot of talk about losing eyes. Eyes, yeah. It happens a lot, lot, doesn't it? Maybe a little shit. Zipping lips. (laughs) I just think it's really interesting. I've never really paid attention to it. And I guess because, like, we talk about it so extensively each time, it's just... It's something I'm noticing more and more mm-hmm. is that, like, there's always kind of this eyeless theme. Yeah. Merdral are eyeless. Wagon drivers like to take people's eyeballs there's for no so good reason. There's just so much attention to eyes. We've yeah. got her in golden eyes. Yeah. Fire yeah. eyes. But Alzaman has Truth. fire eyes. Yep. Oh, the way that the ravens would take the eyes of their, yeah. their animal victims mm-hmm. and place them on top of their heads. Yep. Robert Jordan? You are one messed up dude. (laughs) Between the eyeball problems, issues, the scary, visceral grossness, the spanking. There's a lot to say. So much spanking. Why? I love Robert Jordan, but seriously, sometimes I read the stuff and it's like, what? Your imagination, damn. Okay. Different different generation. Truth, truth. <laughs> um, I'm going to paddle that bottom. <laughs> so the good thing about this increased traffic is that all the young men that are traveling on the road right now, it would be, Rand says, it would be like p- trying to pick out two particular pigeons in a flock. And I really wanted it to be like, They'd be trying to pick out a needle in a haystack, which would be funny because they slept in haaystacks. Right. Why? Why did you miss that opportunity? (laughs) It's kind of of funny, too, because every time Rand says stuff like this and it's like, you already look like an outsider. You Mm -hmm. look totally different. People are always like, oh, where did you come from? You sure are tall. Yeah, Has anyone told like, you you look like an Aiel lately? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looks like, like an outsider in his own fucking village. <laughs> right, right. And that's the thing. He's like, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to fit in. Nobody will notice us. Slide under the radar. No, yeah. no. Oh, and by the way, you're carrying a Heronmark blade. Does and every... you're playing an ends, juggling right? and playing the flute. Some tall redheaded guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, you t- you don't stick out at all. No, no, especially when you're passing through a village that has like one inn. Like, yeah. all someone has to do is follow along behind you and be like, hey, have you seen a tall redhead? And they're like, yeah, yeah, he played here the other night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fine. I'm glad they're safe. I want them to be safe. But sometimes I just have to poke 
at like mm-hmm. little things like this. Thanks for thanks for joining me in this <laughs> this poking moment. Okay, so they literally stumble into a village, like trying to get Matt walking. Those last few steps seemed mm-hmm. like pulling teeth and i get it like they've been walking and walking and walking it's so bizarre because like all of this walking and then later on it's always all these ridings of horses like the travel that happens and changes and evolves in the series is really fun too but this is just tedious all this walking in these villages and these ends and these poor guys they're kind of coming up to the village and they're still doing their very best to be sneaky so Rand sees that there are two guys standing at the edge of the light of the inn. And like, we one... got a talker. <laughs> <laughs> These are my favorite characters. I don't yeah. know. They're like the crazy. ones that like stand off in the background and. Mm-hmm. Like pu- pull the plot along and yeah, just get these yeah. brief moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Let's see here. Where was it's like I? Master Fitch from Berlin. He's just, he's a talker. Yeah. This is where all you learn the hot gossip, you know? Yeah. So Rand and Matt kind of stay where they are and they're resting and Rand's keeping an eye on these two guys standing over one in the light, one in the shadow. Nothing like a little symbologism. What is it that the guy says? (laughs) Sorry, I was trying to Symbolism? Yes. (laughs) I'm thinking like boondock saints. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) I love them. I didn't get the joke. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, It's I love that movie so much. You know. Okay. What's the guy? Sorry. Boondock Saints. Mm -hmm. Um. William Defoe. Is that William Defoe? Mm -hmm. Do you know who he would be perfect for? I'm fan casting him as Seven Baller. Ooh. Ooh. I really like that idea. I really like him. That's a really good fan choice. Thanks. I can see it in my head. Picture yeah, him like dry his, washing his, his hands. Dry washing the hands with his big toothy smile. I can feel him being like the guy who like hangs out in the shadows and then kind of yes. like almost slithers his way. Right. Like in a really unobtrusive Listening to way. classical music on his headphones while he's <laughs> Fuck, secretly yes. plotting Fuck, and yes. putting together the spy networks. Yeah. I love that idea. <laughs> Doing his air um, maestro. <laughs> when he's like conducting. <laughs> yeah, conducting. I'll air. just step around to the dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is this? A thumb? A bullet? <laughs> A mystery solved. I have all the intel. Right. Okay. Oh my God, they are the same. That's the same character. It's, that's exactly. The character. Amazon Prime. That's it. Say that's it. The tweet. Say it, Amber. I, Amazon Prime, I know you're listening. <laughs> I don't know if you can afford William Defoe. <laughs> Jeff Bezos just bought himself a yacht with a fucking support yacht. They can afford well, William Defoe. Jeff Bezos can, but I don't know if Amazon Prime has the budget. Oh, they could make so, it happen. Bezos, make Bezos make it happen. I hope he has fun with his super yacht and his support yacht. Whatever. Oh my God. Uh, anyway, so... One of these men, of course, is a Madral. And Rand realizes this as the two men part ways and the fade moves in one direction. And 
the sign of the end swings in the wind, but the other man's cloak does not move mm-hmm. at all. So he's like, fucking fuck, there's a merdral just across Yoinks, the street. Shaggy. Definitely. <laughs> Is it zoinks or yoinks? I don't know. I think it's... I feel like I should know this. Arthur loves Scooby-Doo. I don't really know. But there's, like, this old guy had been out like taking care of his horse and making sure that his wagon was all set up all properly and as the man starts walking back towards the entrance of his inn it becomes apparent that he's the innkeeper and this guy what is his name i know i wrote his alman bunt uh mm-hmm. he kind of challenges the innkeeper and is like strange friends you keep there buddy yes and he's and like the innkeeper is like yeah well my friend is is looking for these two young guys, and they stole from him, and they're dark friends, and they stole a hair and marked blade. Yeah, yeah, and they uh, they're followers of the dragon. Like he just like goes through this whole ridiculous list of what. It's these... Basically, yeah, he's like they're dark friends. Um, what else yeah, can I throw in here? Could, yeah, anything that could be perceived as bad, he just adds it to the mm-hmm. laundry list of names. Exactly. And I think this kind of gives it away to the point where it's like, okay, this whole story is bullshit. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, what else? Um, did they steal your grandma's <laughs> cow? Uh, That's what they... I was thinking. The chickens, did they steal your chickens' eggs, yeah, maybe? Right. Was that what happened? And I mean, the guy actually reacts in very in like a really similar fashion he's mm-hmm. like oh yeah like that's a lot for two young guys to be getting up to you know he's like <laughs> yeah basically placating him like you would a seven-year-old who's telling you mm-hmm. about their military plan to dominate the world where you're just like yeah that's really great that's these dumb dark friends man. right they just but again, they're like everywhere. And this we time it's more the innkeeper. Dark friends. I mean, we've got <laughs> Peter, dumbass Peter, getting punched out by Rand. Right. Um, Goad gets struck down by lightning. And all of his goons on top of it. Mm-hmm. So not just like one dark friend, but several. I mean, I would, if I were someone who was on Matt and Rand's trail, I'd be scared of them in some ways. I mean, look and at then all there's the, the things. Mer- the Merdral that attacks them and Verlon is just like, I'm coming to get you. Wait, <laughs> no, I'm not. Go ahead and run. Like, you know what I just mean? Just kidding. Yeah. So I don't know. I just find. I really, I, I feel like this is something Amazon will do differently. I hope anyways. I'm really no. looking forward to seeing some of the changes that they're going to make. Like more competent. Yeah. Scary. Especially characters. at the beginning. You know, but what does happen is Rand dashes out and like grabs this bunt guy who he has overheard say that has planned to go to Camelin to see the mm-hmm. false dragon. It's possibly the last one he'll ever see. And Rand's like, hey, will you give us a ride? And the guy's like, okay. You know, mm-hmm. like, okay. That's really all I've got for his response to <laughs> So yeah. it ends up that Bunt is quite a chatterbox and starts talking about Camelin and Queen Morghese. And info dump. This, this was a, a good lot. info dump. Yeah, I'm going to try to get through like my notes so that it's a bit more condensed. So Bunt feels that things would be better if the Queen, the light illumine her, got rid of that witch from Tarvalon. And he refers to her as sitting there in the palace like a spider. 
And then mm-hmm. he also says that some say Elida's got too much influence over the queen, but Bunt says there's no way Morghese is a puppet. So he's and like... just to clarify, I mean, in case you're confused, Elida is the Aes Sedai that is mentoring I believe she's... Yeah, I believe she's the advisor. Like, yeah. later on, other... We see yeah, other... Yeah, advising is a better word, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean... All I can think of is New Spring, and I'm sorry. I don't really yeah. want to bring it up, but I do want to bring it up because oh, we know about how, like, yeah. yes. Okay, anyway. Um, so Rand immediately kind of perks up and is like, oh, there's an Aes Sedai in Camelon. And he's like, well, maybe Morghese will go, or Maureen will go see a sister Aes Sedai. We should go see her. And Matt, like, again, almost telepathically picks up on what Rand is thinking and is like, fuck no. We are nope, not doing nope. that. That is just Mm-mm. fucking stupid. No. Matt, sometimes your suspicious nature is a good <laughs> right. thing. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, Bunt thinks it's time to change some things in Andor. In particular, he wants to stop sending the daughter heir and the eldest son of Queen Morghese, or the queen in general, to Tarvalon to study. This has been a tradition for thousands mm-hmm. of years. There's the mention of the war for succession in Andor. Tigraine... So this was before Morghese's. Yes. So Tigraine had been the the daughter heir before she left. Because that's basically exactly what happens. And that's all that we really find out, I think, in this particular one, is that her and Mm -hmm. Luke had both just up and left with no real reason. And there are people who still feel that Tigraine is potentially alive and Morghese may not actually be a valid queen. So you can feel Mm -hmm. that already there are like these political cracks that we're getting before we even get to the city. And I like that. Yeah, I mean, this is where it goes from being like, these two guys traveling together and running from dark friends with moments of safety to an added the, layer of complexity. Yeah, the view goes from kind of like Mac, like, you know, like the the scope of mm-hmm. the world just kind of like zoomed out yep. a little bit. Exactly. That's exactly what I think of it as. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just widen things out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also... Uh, the mention of Terengel Damadred, the tree, capital letter tree, T, tree, uh, chopped down the Isle War, and that's a lot. And he just kind of dumps it all out in one mm-hmm. paragraph. It's kind of crazy. Rian falls asleep to the sound of the man's voice and the sway of the wagon, and of course he has nightmares. In one of them, Tom says, but the dragon, the dragon is one with the land, and the land is one with the dragon. And I find that just mm-hmm. intriguing. At one point, there's a Madral riding behind where he is, and Lan and Moraine's severed heads are hanging from the Fate's horse with his friends on tethers behind the Fate. Yeah, this is this reminds me a little bit too where Matt has kind of said, like, they're probably just dead. Mm-hmm. You know, like Matt's saying one thing and Rand is kind of now. I don't know if he actually believes that or if he's just hoping that things are okay, but it, mm-hmm. it's really getting to him. You yeah. know, these nightmares are a sure sign of that. Absolutely. I mean, of course, the worst of this one comes down to when the fade consumes a queen with fire. And so mm-hmm. Rand screams and wakes up and realizes that there is... I, I liked this, so I grabbed it. A shape blacker than the night rested on his chest and eyes blacker than death looked into his. 
and dun uh, dun dun. Isn't that? It's like ooh, creepy. Mm-hmm. And so of course, and then what? It gets even more creepy. The raven plucks his eye out, and he screams himself awake again, but for real this time. So again, we've got this whole like eye loss potential and going after the eyes. I feel like I need like safety glasses around my yeah. eyeballs. <laughs> I've never really thought about losing an eye so much. But when he wakes up, there's no injury, just memory. Thank goodness. And, of course, they have arrived at Camelot. And we get another one of those chapter endings with, like, the grand... I mean, seriously, the last sentences well we're there he swept a hand out in front of them in a grand gesture camelin the grandest city in the world like <laughs> are you pretty no, sure we need andorans... to get matt playing the flute <laughs> i think all andorans are like showmen in disguise they're like yeah. da, 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 what was it? the welcome to the struggle lion you, you know? know what though this is this is so true in real life though because how many people do you know that are like new york city's the best city in the world yeah you know what i mean and it's like a capital so i'm sure they're extra proud yeah i mean he's been talking this whole time about how much he loves and admires and respects queen Morgase. he just yes. feels like some of the things are not so great and he's got a lot of confidence And the the Queen's Guards, because he's like, if the Queen's Guards can't keep peace this close to the capital, then we have bigger things to worry about. By the way, buddy, yes, you do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh, It reminds me, too, a little bit how Tom told them they need to find the Queen's Blessing, and that's mm -hmm. the name of the inn. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool that so much revolves around Queen Morgays. You're getting into Camelin now. And even... You know, she she must be really beloved. I think so. By the way that the people talk about her. But we can get into that in the spoiler section because I, actually, I have stuff written down. I want to do that too, but I want to write down a note real quick. Okay. In regards to Morgase and being beloved. Okay, I'm good. Hey friends, I know this isn't our usual ad, however... Amber and I wanted to share with you that things are growing and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content. First, we finally joined the world of Patreon and would love your support. We have four tiers ranging from $3 a month to $25 a month. To thank you for your support, there are perks for each tier, including exclusive merchandise not sold in our Threadless shop. You can find out more about each tier and how you can support us at Patreon backslash or just click on the link in the show notes. Second, our Threadless shop is overflowing with beautiful designs and various items to put them on. We have coffee mugs, phone cases, tote bags, notebooks. There are also plenty of t-shirts and tanks for the summer. Starting June 13th and running through the 27th, all t-shirts are $15. And there's 15% off everything. And there's free shipping on orders over $45. If you have been waiting to grab yourself some Wheel of Time merch, your time is coming. Third, we love you guys, really. Thank you for all the support you have given and for keeping us company on the road to Tarvalon. <laughs> Arthur was really cute. <laughs> he came in and he was on a little tablet type mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey. And he came over and I'm like, put the headphones on. And he's like, I can't hear you. <laughs> 
and then he put them on. Uh, it's like, what are you playing? Did he tell you it was his YouTube day? Yeah. Today is his YouTube day. He doesn't like, get YouTube, like, regular YouTube except for Saturdays and Sundays because YouTube is a really Ooh. weird place. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And even that is, like, something that we've talked about discontinuing because <laughs> YouTube is a weird place. It is. Weird. There's just weird stuff on There's there. weird stuff on there. Some of the things I'm really grateful for. And some of the things I'm like, I don't think anyone in the world ever wanted to watch that. Why did you do that? I hate you. That would be like if someone who has no idea about Wheel of the Time, Wheel of Time, like stumbled upon Wheel of the Time, Wheel of Time stuff, Wheel of the Time, God. Wheel of the Time. It's cool. You heard me earlier with my wagons. 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 Rock me mama like a wagon wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it's supposed to be sung. I think you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, play for your supper part two. Spoiler time. Spoiler time. I'm okay. So we talked about Matt just becoming a little uh, suspicious and mm-hmm. growly and... This is just, you know, I love the Arid Hall connection and how it kind of, okay, so the the White Cloaks are a pretty zealous bunch on their own, mm-hmm. but they do have that brush with Pat and Fane in the Two Rivers when mm-hmm. there's the battle, mm-hmm. and they seem especially amped up, and then, of course, Elida has her brush with Pat and Fane later mm-hmm. on in the books and some people believe that that kind of got to her as well mm-hmm. but after doing our Manetheran episode and learning about Arid Hall and just how how it really screws with people I think that it says a lot about Matt's mental fortitude mm-hmm. that he's still He's still taking care of Rand when he can, and yeah, like his goodness seeps through, even when he's being awful. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. His vulnerability, his being scared about things. Like, I think these these few chapters read a little differently. For me, like I'm seeing all the places where Matt is scared and is willing to admit it, and him caring for Rand defending his life even later on like yeah Matt you're a good guy don't let anyone tell you anything differently it's all even when you're even that. when you're growling at people <laughs> right I still think you're the best yeah I think that's a good point um another thing that stood out to me is just um Another thing that stood out to me is Matt's or Rand's thoughts of when he encounters the Grinwell family and he says that Mistress Grinwell reminds him of Mistress Alvere back in the Two Rivers. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's different is she has yellow hair and he has mm-hmm. never seen hair that color before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important because there are so many people. I don't want to say so many people, 
but I have heard that there are a lot of people who are disappointed and upset with mm-hmm. the two rivers, the, the the actors that were cast to play these roles mm-hmm. looking more diversive and mm-hmm. not all white. Mm-hmm. Rand has never seen someone with blonde hair before. What does that mm-hmm. tell you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, he sticks like a he sticks out and like he sticks out like a sore thumb in his own village. And yeah. I think I think what this kind of casting has done is really just right. highlights that exactly. Like, if you if you cast a bunch of light skinned blonde haired people, mm-hmm. no one's gonna believe that Rand was like the odd kid out. I right. mean, yeah. He, Okay, red hair, I guess, is it's still a lighter shade of hair. So it's not Yeah. But too it's not far so uncommon from, exactly right. from blonde. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with you on that. I agree with you. That was one of the things that I had actually thought about as well is they're getting to a section of the world that feels like home but definitely is not home. And you know, Rand has these thoughts like, will I ever see home again? Mm-hmm. Is Tam really my father? Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's got a lot of emotional baggage he's packing, you know? Like, yeah, there's so sometimes much layers. It's unpacking there's it, but he's, like, pushing so it in. Much, so many layers down. of trauma. Yeah, there's just so there's so much happening right now. And it doesn't help that Rand or that Matt is like, they're probably all dead, you know? <laughs> right. Like Ugh. But I mean at the same time in the way that he says it, you can tell that he's like sometimes he says it and it sounds pessimistic and almost offhanded. Like yeah. yeah. they're dead. You know, let's just move on and get over it and maybe let's go over to Ilian or whatever, like and Rand but, is still searching for the good. He's still clinging mm-hmm. to the hope. And, I mean, Matt's kind of being a realist, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that dream that he has later on with, uh, that Rand has, I should clarify since we're talking about Matt and Rand, but the one that Rand has with the Merdral and Lan and Moraine's heads and... The, the Merdral's like holding their severed heads. Yeah, I think it's a really strong reflection of the places Rand's sub- subconscious is taking him to right now. And it's so dark. It's so mm-hmm. dark. Like, this is just this is just his nightmare. And I know that that like, kind of sounds he's, a little... he's being plagued with nightmares almost every night. Almost mm-hmm. every chapter we get this week, he has a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Same with Perrin. Matt's having nightmares of his own as well. I mean, you know, they're not sleeping. They're, well, when they are sleeping, they're having nightmares. They're sleeping in haystacks and bushes. And If they're lucky. Yeah, I mean, this, this isn't comfortable. Mm-mm. And I don't know how they're still going at this point. So you right. have to cling to something. You have to cling mm-hmm. to some type of hope. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it matched with Perrin as well, how Perrin is just thinking, like, I just want to get back to Moraine. And they're mm-hmm. all kind of thinking that despite them off the bat not trusting her, mm-hmm. her and Lan really are their best hope. Absolutely. And yeah. they didn't, you know, I don't think they really realized it at first, Mm-mm. but now they're just being tracked. And mm-hmm. like you said, they stand out like 
they really stand out. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. They're, they're not making it hard for all of these dark friends to go about and track them. Yeah. And so it it really just goes to show you that Moraine and Lan really did, despite how their plans kind of keep getting foiled and they have to sporadically change strategies, <laughs> they are so much better with them. <laughs> so yes. much better. Yeah. And I mean, as frustrating as everyone is in this situation, I like that they do kind of all gravitate towards Lan and Moraine as a place of safety and knowledge. And I mean, even mm-hmm. Nynaeve does that, whether she would want to admit it or not. And I, they're kind of forced into seeing this, into feeling this. But at the same time, it's built up a trust in Aes Sedai that makes Rand go, well, if there's a sister and Camelon, mm-hmm. we should go see her because maybe Moraine would want to go see her. But it's fucking Elida. Yeah. This is, I mean, I know that we have, like, harped on all of these kids making terrible choices and... Mm-hmm. Moraine constantly probably thinking in the back of her head, like, I will turn this horse around. <laughs> because, you know, she, just, you know, Matt grabbing the dagger, them having their little outing in Shadar Logoth. And right. All of these really dumb choices that they are making. Pissing off white cloaks. Yeah. Despite being split up from Lan and Moraine, they're actually kind of holding their own. Yeah. But, but... This is all because of the Taviran luck. You know what I mean? So Rand channeling lightning, you know, it's it's explained as lightning when you're mm-hmm. reading. I'm sure for the first time a lot of people were like, is it though? He's holding his own without really knowing that he's mm-hmm. actually channeling and doing it. Mm-hmm. And it again just shows this big theme of luck like we encountered in New Spring mm-hmm. where all of these men that were killed because they were searching for mm-hmm. male channelers thinking that it was the Dragon Reborn, thinking it was Rand. It's not luck. <laughs> it's channeling. <laughs> but in this case with Rand, it's, you know, channeling and being the strongest Taviran ever since, <laughs> you know. Maybe Archer Hawkwing. Archer Hawkwing, yeah. So. Yeah. I had a thought. It's gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Should we move on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I mean this this we're under four uh, kings in the uh, four kings in the shadow, yeah. and I already talked mm-hmm. about Rand's luck. Mm-hmm. So we can just keep going. Cool. Thank, thanks. Thanks for being flexible. Um so I wrote down under the Four Kings in Shadow, just the constant hunting of Matt and Rand. In some ways, it feels almost more intense here at the beginning than it does at later times. Like, it seems okay. like absolutely every time they turn around, someone is there. You know what I mean? And then later on, it seems like they get to go through, like, spaces of time where... That just, okay, so I can't tell the, if it's because it becomes so dense, yeah, that it's just in everything. I feel like 
the first okay this is the question like how did goad know okay so there was the incident at whitebridge mm-hmm. the merge all was there so they mm-hmm. know in what direction they're headed and they know what road they took and mm-hmm. from what i'm assuming there's only one way to camelin <laughs> at this point so all of these dark friends have to know the vicinity of where they are at. They just mm-hmm. haven't been lucky enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they're not stopping at every farmhouse, you know, mm-hmm. looking for him in every mm-hmm. haystack. Mm-hmm. And then Goad finds them. They mm-hmm. run. Goad tells Baalzaman where he found them. In and a dream, post-mortem. Death, yeah. Hmm. I know. I And I mean... That is one of the creepier nightmare scenes as far as Bialzaman nightmare right? scenes goes. Like the image yeah. of this burnt crackling. Like it even mentions yeah. that his hair is so brittle that when he turns his head, it turns to ash. Like, yeah, it's creepy. And Bialzaman is like, I will give him a reward. Right. And then Goat is like, oh, yeah, you're a reward. And his reward is death in death. death. Another death after already being dead. <laughs> double <Yeah>, death. <laughs> Dose of double death. From your good friend Balsamon. <laughs> yeah. This would be great for everyone. Yeah. God, what a dick. He's such a dick. Yeah, I I I think I think I think the danger just becomes more dense and more complex. And like maybe that's what this is kind of building us up to is this expectation that danger is going to be around every corner. It's something we should be prepared for, too, Mm -hmm. as the reader. And so, I don't know, I guess we've been... Well, I started reading our chapters for The Wheel Reads, and it was real bizarre going from book one into book four. It's a very different place. It's a very different place. And I've never made, like, just the jump straight from one to another one that's so far I opened to the prologue today just to like skim and kind of give myself a Mm -hmm. like a a little overview yeah refresher yeah remind myself where people are at and Min has just showed up at the white tower and Laris is there and I was like yes (laughs) (laughs) I mean truthfully it makes me eager to keep reading to get to yes so it's really nice. Like, thank you so much to the Wheel Reads for inviting us. I'm looking forward to our recording with them. Uh, it'll be interesting to do a whole non-spoiler thing for us. Yeah, yeah, that'll be really interesting. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it'll air before this does. We don't know. Yeah, I really don't. Um, so let's see here. We did kind of just touch on this in the way that Rand looks after Matt, and then Matt looks after Rand. Mm-hmm. I mean. They save each other's lives here, and they've already been friends their whole lives. And in some ways, it's really easy to get kind of lost in all of the things that are happening and forget that they are friends who have yeah. known each other for their whole lives. Like, I know mm-hmm. I'm repeating myself, but I mean, some of us are lucky enough to have somebody that they've known their whole life. I don't 
know if other than my siblings, I don't know. I'm sure there are, but there's just that connection with someone who's mm-hmm. seen you through a lot of things. And I mean, good Lord, how much trouble did Matt get into? And then also drag Brandon Perrin into as well. So like, what's interesting is how the story, as the story goes along, uh, further along, they, when they get so spread so far apart, mm-hmm. they become a little bit less close. And there's kind mm-hmm. of this like begrudging, like, well, burn it. I'm feeling this pull towards Rand and I really Mm -hmm. don't want it. Mm -hmm. And I think even as early as the Great Hunt, they're already starting to look at Rand in a different light as Mm -hmm. this male channeler. And there's, I don't, like, bad. there's bad feelings there. Oh, for sure. So it's the relationship really spins around and then we get all the way to you know the towers of midnight and a memory of light and when they all kind of finally meet back up again it's not it's obviously not the same as it was when they Mm -hmm. were young lads but Mm -hmm. there's still that close connection that I think you can only have with someone that you grew up with Mm mm-hmm I think it helps that neither Matt or Perrin come in as subordinates to Rand at that point. Like, when they first find out that he can channel, he's the Dragon Reborn, it's like, oh, fuck. Like, they're still... And I mean, Matt even makes kind of a stink out of it. Yeah, he does. Even before they find out that Rand is the Dragon Reborn. Like, Rand shows up all fancy dressed for... Mm -hmm the whole Faldara thing and Rand's like fool you have clothes that are just as nice too you just haven't gotten to them yet and like yeah it drives this wedge in between them that just keeps going and I think it takes Matt to be away from Rand to kind of come back to their friendship too and I think Perrin had to go through the same thing where they each well yeah found their own footing and I like that Matt marries an empress like basically the most wealthy woman in and powerful. This, yeah, in this whole world. But mm-hmm. he was the one, like, freaking Matt in his fancy clothes. And then he's like, <laughs> yeah, I like a little bit of lace. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes, like, <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, maybe that's maybe that's how he was able to let go of the grudge. He was yeah. like, gosh darn it. I like to look nice, too. I get it, Rand. I get it. <laughs> maybe that's what happened. I mean, Perrin ends up with Fail, who is, I mean, she's cousins. Is she cousins to the queen? Yes. Okay. And I mean, Davram Bashir is like one of Rand's most staunch supporters mm-hmm. and allies. Mm-hmm. And trusted advisor. Yeah, and battle commanders. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I mean, Perrin has this whole new relationship and he's Lord Perrin of mm-hmm. the two rivers now. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. also came up in the world. Mm-hmm. So this whole... And Fael becomes Queen of Saldea by yes. the end of the series. So then Perrin is technically Prince Consort? Do they do Prince Consort or King? I don't know. Neither do I. It's Saldea. They might have something like all their own for... Like, whoever, I'm not sure if they have queens like Andor does or if it's just a specific. No, because Daphne Bashir was in line. 
But then when he died, Fael inherited the throne. And so Perrin's got like, hey, I'm a big deal in the borderlands and I am lord of the two rivers and And he makes I talk he makes, to wolves. Yeah, he makes the two rivers <laughs> basically a sovereign state. So he's yeah. rightfully like kind of like a king on his own at that point mm-hmm. and not under Rand's rule, what or not Rand's rule, um the rule of Andor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean And he's made it very clear that they will not be <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I so, love that negotiation. So Good as job. as much as they have to be kind of ticked off at Rand by the end of things, their positions have changed mm-hmm. dramatically. Dramatically. Egwene is the Amerlin seat. Right. Was, and then Nynaeve is the queen or the the wife of the king. Is she queen of Malkier. So something. She's yeah. noble now. Yeah. So she's also still the strongest Aes Sedai alive, I think. I would the think so. They yeah. I mean there are some newer women that come in that have higher potential. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're at that point yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean I just they all come out at such different places from where they started. And I feel like that's just one of the best things about the series is how mm-hmm. they, it's just this humble, sweet, la la la, mm-hmm. I village life. I wish I was farming sheep with my dad, you know, like this is what we encounter immediately. And then for them to become who they become is almost unthinkable, mm-hmm. I think, at the beginning of the story. And I love that. Yeah. I love it. I think Agreed. that's all I've got. So the last village? Are we still on the last village or no? No. No, I think we're on the dark weights, chapter 33. I did leave something Ooh. out. So I had talked about earlier Almond Bunt. How I, I really like these little small characters mm-hmm. that kind of show up. This is another kind of thing that reminds me of New Spring because it's it's been a long time since I remember having the point of view of just normal people, you know, mm-hmm. just normal villagers on their normal villager day life and farmers mm-hmm. and doing their thing when Ran, uh, when Moraine is meeting with these women on her travels to mm-hmm. on the search for the dragon reborn but it really just adds a richness and depth to the story that i feel like is something that kind of it really draws me in like mm-hmm. rand's um guy that has the university where he's trying to like educate people and stuff like that and these are these little characters that make this book really fun for me mm-hmm. it's vibrant yes yes there's just a lot happening and clearly I mean how many I said I are introduced how many mm-hmm. random people do we get all of Rand's followers I mean they go throughout so many different travels and we have mm-hmm. so much to 
really look at and digest, but it's just like these little people that kind of like pop up here and there. And then you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, that was interesting. And then Mm -hmm. especially with Almond Blunt, how he's mentioning more gays in Elida and he calls Elida the real queen, saying Mm -hmm. like she's the one pulling all the strings, which is funny because at some point... It's Ravin pulling all the strings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, but he doesn't he say that Morghese is not allowing that to happen, though? That some people think it, but he's not one of those people. Is that right? Um, from my understanding, she's totally under compulsion. She only comes to every once in a while and then gets, like, sucked back in. So she'll have, like, moments Morghese? of clarity. Yeah, Morghese. I don't think Morgase <clears throat> I don't think Morgase is under compulsion right now. Not right now. I mean later on under Robin. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But while she's she's got Elida as her advisor, Elida's not using compulsion on no, her. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I totally misunderstood you. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I was like, wait a minute, did I miss something major? No. Whew. Okay, sorry. But sorry. I no. continue. I mean just how he's kind of making it sound like Hopefully, Morgays isn't, you know, just a puppet under the mm-hmm. real queen, Elida, yeah, and how she's yeah. manipulating Morgays. And I just think that that's funny because it's like a little, like, foreshadowing of yes. the situation to come. Mm-hmm. And then... Where it's a reality versus a perception. Yes. I see what you're saying. Brilliant. And, okay, thank and you. Th- and then... What's also interesting is this this is just a normal farmer who loves Queen Morgays. She is it seems like she is really loved by these townsfolk. And mm-hmm. then when someone who cares for her that deeply and has this unwavering, you know, mm-hmm. support of the queen mm-hmm. to be so hesitant of Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. And sending the sending Elaine and Gawain and Galad off to the White Tower for their training, even though it's tradition. Mm-hmm. This is just what some normal guy on the street thinks. How are people not rioting when Elaine becomes queen? Is it just because, you know, Trollocs and you need a strong leader and war and Tarman Gaiden? Or is there something else going on that I'm just not... There has to be more, right? I mean... I think Elaine really... And I think what Elaine does in gaining the Rose Throne actually mimics quite a bit what Morghese went through to achieve the Rose Thorn because they both had like a battle for the succession. Mm -hmm. I think Elaine's was probably a bit smoother and with maybe Mm -hmm. a bit less bloodshed i'm not entirely sure i don't remember there are 14 books good lord i can't remember everything but what i think is interesting is that we get this hint that morghese may not be legitimate which means that any like there will then be doubts of elaine's legitimacy and so yeah what you're saying i think Well, and on top of that, I mean, (laughs) well, we've talked about this before, but Morghese, her aging might have slowed down just a teensy bit because she can channel. Mm -hmm. But 
we don't know how long Elaine is going to live. Is she mm-hmm. going to rule for 300 years and then abdicate? Mm-hmm. I mean, or will she let her, my babes, my babes, will she let mm-hmm. one of her children become queen if it, if one of them is a, is a girl? Mm-hmm. But at this point, I kind of feel like you're – you're really going to cause a lot of problems when she shows up and she's like, I'm a full trained Aes Sedai and I'm wearing the ring and I'm the queen now. And despite Mm -hmm. all of the succession problems and her having to like fight for it, I don't know if people, I I just, I kind of wish that we would have gotten more point of points of view from the people in that area to explain why Elaine's step into power mm-hmm. wasn't met with these questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been. It could, it could have been people not totally happy about it and just afraid of well, upsetting the Lord Dragon. But I think, I think, okay. I think there are riots and dissenters in Camelin, like at this time, doesn't Rand accidentally choose like the wrong color to wrap his sword hilt in, and it it indicates that he's a supporter of Morgase and her as the queen. Like I feel like there is some, and then I feel like later on, Gabriel gets his position because there was unrest in Camelin, which was probably stoked by a bunch of dark friends so that Ravin, Ravine could come in and take power anyway. So it kind of feels like the stack has been, or like this is the deck has been stacked against Morgase and Elaine kind of since the beginning. Like there have been questions. among the people at least that's how if i remember what's coming up next i feel like that's what's happening i don't know i just feel like elaine kind of had it easy i mean not not personally like i don't Mm -hmm. think that it was easy but but compare it to what it could have been right right it was much smoother and i mean this these, this series is so long. I'm sure mm-hmm. he couldn't take time out to write, <laughs> you know, a half a book mm-hmm. more about Elaine's <laughs> political... Accession to the, the throne. Yeah, because yeah. that is... I know that there are some people that really didn't like those chapters. Mm-hmm. Personally, I thought that they were interesting, but I think that's just kind of like a history geek part of me where I'm mm-hmm. like, I want to see like all the inner workings and how this is all going on yep. and, and political interactions and what's yes. happening and what yes. Elaine is learning. It is a bit tedious, but there are just moments throughout the series that are tedious, but yeah. there's still like, there's still little nuggets of goodness in my opinion. So I'm yeah. with you. I and, love stuff I mean, like that. And Elaine, <laughs> oh gosh, she is just like, a one woman, um, like she, she's like a female wrestler. Like I swear, like any sense of danger, she doesn't care. She's like off the top ropes. You know what I mean? Like she yep. does not mm-hmm. care. Totally pregnant, big belly, going down trying to hunt dark friends and the black Aja, and not giving a a care to the world. And yeah, it's just 
I don't know. I mean, I feel like everyone around her is kind of hoping that she will keep herself out of harm's way. Mm-hmm. But, oh. She's but, just too willing to be like, nope. Nope. Br- nope. Brigitte, I don't know how she has a braid left. I mean. No kidding. She, I would have been pulling my hair out at that point. You know what? Oddly, the ending with them is one of my favorite moments in the series. Yeah. Brigitte's Brigitte probably, I say oh, I this all the her. time. Yeah. I love them. I don't know if I have to choose favorite characters. It's like one million minor characters and then Brigitte, Nynaeve, and mm-hmm. um, Avienda. Mm-hmm. I love Avienda too. But I just like the way that Brigitte dies is so brutal. And it's just yeah. like this. <gasps> I, I feel like that was one of those moments where I was like, and now I need to set down my book and cry, yep. you know, <laughs> because I just I just loved her. And that felt so awful. Mm-hmm. Ugh. We, I could talk about Brigitte a lot more. Let's stop doing that and going back to. OK, <laughs> did you did you already <laughs> cover what you had written down uh, for the last village? I don't know. Let I just take remember you said you wrote something down on your notebook. Oh, 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 thank you. Thank you for remembering. I think one of the reasons why Morgase was beloved was that she always made that yearly trip out to Camelin. Oh. And she would disguise herself and just walk around and talk to people and kind of get a feel for the city. And then she'd come back and she'd take over her queenly duties with an idea of fix what... shit. Yeah, like what really was happening inside her city because she had gone out to see it herself. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved finding that out about her. I like lo- that's Oh, I love a good incognito royal excursion. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because I so mean, like cool. royals have done that. And I think it's a really effective way to either be assassinated or (laughs) (laughs) well you know like before facebook and instagram and the internet and people being able to see your face it was what like people could see a painting of you and Mm -hmm. were those paintings really accurate if you're paying the person and yeah it's just like a filter right like make me look perfect (laughs) well and even when she like when she escapes from ravine later on she uses that like she dirties up her hair and she puts on really coarse uncomfortable clothing and but people still comment on her and be like there's something about her yeah has anyone told you you look a bit like our queen and she's like oh go on you you know (laughs) she's like you big flatterer you'd say anything and i mean it's so cute how she just brushes it off and kind of like Speaking of people who befriend more gays mm-hmm. when she's incognito, mm-hmm. should we talk about that? Um, where are you? I don't know. <laughs> I'm at the I, I'm saving this for last. So if there's anything that you want to add, oh, okay, let me see here. Oh, oh, I thank you, thank you. The thought of Rand and Matt just walking up to Elida and handing themselves over to her is one of those things that I'm thankful didn't happen. Yeah. And it's really strange to think about what would have happened had they decided to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. we know Elida. We know Elida. And we're just like, oh, fuck, that would have been so bad. And Mm -hmm. she would have been like, ta-da! Yeah. 
it's all about me. That's, Can you, you just know See, that would have been it. I'm so petty that I don't even care at Rand at this point. We're like, oh, poor Rand. What would they do to him? I'm like, God damn it. Can you imagine Elida on her high horse bringing mm -hmm. him in thinking yes. that she is just the top the of the best. shit? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the shit. Like she's <laughs> still got that chip on her shoulder from like being pushed out of star pupil status by Swan Moraine. Mm -hmm. And that's what she's always looking to do is to up her. Mm -hmm. She's such a one upper. Yes. She don't, wants to be don't at the like, top. A, don't be an Elida. Be okay. I mean, I, be okay I appreciate with being ambition. <laughs> be okay with being mediocre. Okay. That's right, guys. <laughs> like Tracy and I can't even talk right. So. <laughs> We are okay with Wagon. it. <laughs> we forget stuff. No, that is actually something things. that we really love. If we do forget stuff or mess something up, mispronounce no. things, please. Oh us. my god. <laughs> it is embarrassing how many things I forget, and I'm just like, Meh. at this point, I'm just gonna roll with it. I'm gonna and too, there's always the, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about time. Like this was something mm -hmm. that was brought up to us, um, Lauren from Unraveling the Pattern. Mm -hmm. But I had written down the reason that Bail Doman thinks the Trollocs are after him is because he has the seals. <gasps> and that's we just, amazing. We just didn't get to it. I mean, it was one of those days where it was a long episode, and he was like, but this happens. And I'm like, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I Thank you for not forgetting. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I skimmed over that at some point. Was that in Discord? Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank yeah. you, Lauren, if you're yeah, listening. Your, your reply was really thoughtful. <laughs> and well thought out. Yeah. I was just like, wow, thanks. That's so kind. Um. So let's see here. I don't remember if this is our first mention of Tigraine, but it is right now the one that sticks out in my mind. I think it just, is. I think what suddenly hit me is Rand laying in the back of this wagon, and he's tired, and Bunt is talking, and he's mentioning Tigraine, who's run away, and I'm like, he's Rand. essentially falling asleep to a bedtime story of his own about mother, his and he doesn't mom. realize it. Yeah. Can you handle it? Because I can't. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. It just makes me sad. He didn't get to yes. know her. Yeah. Like there was, I had a real moment of sadness in that moment. And I was like, wow. I don't know. It just hit me really weird. And like his, especially knowing his uncertainty around his parents. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, Tam's not my dad, baby. And now... Yeah, but then also we know what happens to Tigraine. We also know that she is no longer alive, and we know what happens to Luke. And I just feel like that's a really fun, crazy mm -hmm. plot twist to bring in for another time. Um, Tom and Rand's dream saying that the dragon is one with the land, and the land is one with the dragon. And this, to me, is another little bit of foreshadowing when Rand has his battle at the end of Eye of the World, and he like succeeds over the mm. Forsaken. The weather snaps back, and yeah. like things start to grow again, and the world is looking good again. But of course, this is just like a teeny tiny momentary patch on the badness that's happening and then later on when 
uh, we have Zenrand, and mm-hmm. he walks out, and he like makes all the land green, and mm-hmm. he has that orchard that fills up with um, fruit. Like the farmer there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is he one of the farmers from one of these chapters? I think it might be. I feel like, like it is. Yeah, like there are so many times where like these little characters twist back in later on, and sometimes they stay for a while, and sometimes they because don't. Isn't the farmer like it's you? Yeah. Is he just like, is it like, it's you, I recognize you from a previous like encounter, encounter or it's you, the dragon reborn? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like he's, he's, his aura precedes yeah. him. And I'll have to go like, back oh. to that chapter. So mm. and look. Good question though. Good question. Speaking I of think... reappearances. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm okay. done. I'm done. Take it away. Okay. So <laughs> this is just a random thought, but we have so many people in these chapters that show up later. Mm-hmm. So I always think that it is kind of cool when you get these little throwaway characters and you're like, oh, okay, that was a nice little mm-hmm. whatever. And then they show back up. But one from a few weeks back, Gelb, mm-hmm. he actually is a slaver in Tanchico and he sells the item and sold them to a Guinan. <sighs> I did not Gelb. catch that. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Um, Peter. <laughs> this he, one. See, this is, this is interesting because he eventually befriends more gays and tries to sneak her out of the white cloak stronghold. Uh-huh. And then remember, she's like, they're going to him. Uh, they're going to get me out. They're going to get me out. And then he mm-hmm. gets hanged as mm-hmm. a dark friend. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I didn't remember that that was the same guy. Mm-hmm. And he really is a dark friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, is this the first time that the white cloaks like actually got it right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Truth, truth. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, when I saw that, I was, mm. yep, Peter, so good. He almost redeemed himself, and I believe she even comments on him looking like he has a broken nose. Mm. So Rand punched him. Mm-hmm. So dang, what's up with that? I love it. And then I the love next, it. the next one is Elsa, and what's really cool about her is not only does she show up again mm-hmm. and goes to the White Tower to become an Aes Sedai, but she also has a uh, Lanfear uses her as a <laughs> disguise, disguise, which is funny because I I think it's cool because Elsa is kind of this flirty, sassy girl, and then Lanfear, out of all the people she she, she could have chose from, she <laughs> probably picked someone who's somewhere, like, easy enough for her to imitate. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think, she, you know, she could have chosen any of them, but she chose, like, the flirty farm girl. <laughs> She's like, you know, maybe in another life. I'll try this on for now. This feels good. Yeah. Okay, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just another facet of Lanfear. Gosh. <laughs> it's like I don't know there's a microphone in front of my face. 
I hit it so often. <sighs> um. So yeah, Elsa. I I love that she comes back later. I did not. It took me like the third reread for me to realize that she was the same person from the beginning maybe I don't remember I just know like because I read it so early on and had to wait so long in between books I absolutely did not I didn't make that connection at all until I was looking at her character for Mm -hmm. these chapters and I was like holy shit that's her huh yeah Huh. huh And I actually, I had her confused with another uh, novice that got sent away to a farm and then was murdered. It's not her. No, but she does get sent away. Yeah, I think she gets sent back to her parents' farm. being a little too, uh, I don't know, know, bad Aes Sedai work ethic. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? yeah, but I mean, the other thing that I think of is like our our be- I'm the ineptitude of the White Tower. I'm just going to say that because it's exactly how I feel. I feel like maybe she was another one of those women that got missed, you mm. know, like we have the kin and various other groups of women that we know can channel and we also know, like at this time, Sherium is the um, mistress of novices, and she's also a dark friend. So she very well could have sent Elsa away, even though maybe she would have like shaped yeah. up into a really superb Aes Sedai. It could happen. Mm-hmm. I mean... You heard it here first. This is our big theory that <laughs> since the mistress of novices, so many have been... <laughs> It's Black true. Aja, that we don't know how long this whole dwindling numbers in the tower mm-hmm. have actually been, you know. Yeah, because the, the people couldn't hack it or if the Black Aja was working to keep those like, numbers low. Exactly. Like to the point where Moraine's one of her biggest concerns while she's in the tower is seeing how empty it is. She talks yeah. about it several times. And and we also... I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, you go ahead. We also don't know how many of these women who die in the Terangrial for the test of the shawl, how many Black Aja members sat in on those proceedings, on this ceremony, I guess, and mm-hmm. made something too deadly for them to escape. And mm-hmm. then they could just be like, well, she obviously wasn't as good of a channeler as we thought she wasn't ready you know yeah and like even like what is the what is the point really ultimately of doing this to these women because it feels as though they break them down to build them up and Mm -hmm. that just seems like a really shitty way to treat anyone and so like and especially like they're taught once they become novices they are taught not to judge other uh, women's channeling ability. And, and then so, as soon as they're able they're to like, wear, so by the, the way, wear the ring. Yeah, this is how you're going to rank yourself. 
And women will defer to you who are less powerful than you, and you will have to defer to women who are more powerful than you. Well, they they keep it a secret, too. So mm-hmm. these women don't know it until they have the ring. Yep. Because I can imagine if you're not as strong as some of the other girls your age or in your class, in your class, um, that, you know, that you're yeah. a novice with. I don't think I would stick around, you know yeah. what I mean? Knowing yeah. that I would have to do people's grunt work, writing their notes or, right? you know, yeah, this worst whole, job ever. Yeah, this whole hierarchy based on strength and the power is bullshit. Yeah. And we've talked about that, so I'm not going to super get into it. But I do feel as though, like, there is, there is the possibility that Sherryam was the one who had her go. Maybe Lanfear even was like, you know what? I don't like her. Yeah. <laughs> or with her gone, she could keep, oh no. Using her as a disguise. I guess that wouldn't work though. If she's gone, then they would be like, what are you doing back here? <laughs> well, isn't that what happens at one point where like they're like, wait, didn't we send her away? How could she be here? She's. <laughs> At her farm. Wait, what? Like, I think that happens later on. Like, there are two times that she's, she, Lanfear is, what's her face? Elsa. Elsa in the tower. And then I think the second time, Elsa's already been sent away. And I guess Lanfear just great. didn't know That's about great. it. <laughs> or maybe she did and she was like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, right. you still won't catch me. Right? She's just kind of like, okay, how dumb are you really that I'm just going to do this to see how dumb you are? <laughs> I would not put it past her. Uh, oh, that sounds perfect. I am a big Lanfear fan, and that sounds like something she would do just to be like, mm-hmm. fuck you all, you know? Yeah. I like it. I don't. That's. Yeah, I don't think. Oh, the only other thing that I had is like. There's a definite inconsistency with the world of dreams. Just like sometimes you wake up with a physical mark from having been there and sometimes you don't. And so I just I know the world of dreams is inconsistent, but it's just an observation that I think I think I'm Jordan sure there's is a, still I'm, figuring it out. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, how do you write this type of mm-hmm. scenario place where, I don't know, it hurts my head thinking about it. I, exactly. I, I would never even attempt to do it because mm-hmm. there would be inconsistencies. And, and there'd be would, people like me going, what about this thing? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure yeah. there are people that have brought it up before. Maybe we can do some digging and see there's anything floating around out we'll there we'll have about to do it. a Teleron Riyadh 101 at some point yeah I'm sure it's on our list but I think that's everything I have for today okay and that's so that's that that's that Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week. Thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.